G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Uh, today's guest is Daniel from Eureka Tactical and he's also a final year biologist student. Welcome, Daniel. Good evening, Zach. How you doing, mate? I'm good and cold. How are you? Good and cold. Uh, yeah. yeah, about the same here too. Um, you know, at least you're a little bit warmer up in the uh, higher parts of Australia there. Yeah, always lucky to be in Queensland. Yeah, I reckon uh, you would struggle down here in SA and would both struggle. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So on that, where are you from, man? Yeah, so I live a little bit north of Brisbane, so in southeastern Queensland. I lived in this area my entire life and... uh, Oh yeah, that's exactly where I'm from, and beautiful. I guess where I'll be staying for a while. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful part of part of the country, that's for sure. And there's a reason there's a um, decent population of hunters in that area. Um, you know, there's the hunters campfire podcast guys. They're they're up in that area, um, and then right. also becoming a bow hunter podcast. He's he's up there as well. So um, that's a yeah, seems to be a lot of hunters in that Brisbane region. How old are you, man? I am close to 28. 28, nice. In a couple of months or a month or so. So you don't you don't really work. What do you study? Yeah, all right then. <laughs> um, so I'm studying a bachelor's of science. And um, my major is biology, and that covers all factors of biology. So you write down on the micro scale, like bacteria, viruses, and whatnot, up to the sort of large scale, like animals um, and the populations. And I've got two minors, which one's wildlife ecology, the other's environmental science. So altogether, that kind of adds up to a, a very sort of wildlife and outdoors-based degree essentially. So what led you to um, study biology? Yeah, um, quite quite a bit sort of happened in my early 20s of sort of working and um, they're already being satisfied with what I'm doing because I had no intentions of going to university when I finished school, literally zero intentions of going to university. And um, I was just working full time working at a gun shop actually for quite a while. Then I started to quit that work in security and as a firearm instructor for a while. So all this time I've got interactions with different shooters and different hunters and whatnot and having conversations with hunters and shooters. Um, and I've just sort of been looking at sort of our impact on the environment and what we're doing. And I'm like, well, I want to know more. And I want to make sure that what we're doing is the right thing. 
And so I started my degree, pretty much confirmed what I already believed, you know, that removing invasive species does help the environment and that, you know, hunters are one of the best sort of tools for conservation. And that's something I'm really big on. And that's sort of, there's, there's a, there's a whole lot of backstory there because, you know, it's not very common to start uni at 24, but, <laughs> um, you know, that's what I did. No, that's, that's good. Sort of that's the, good. The rundown. Um, I'm sure that, uh, many of your fellow students would not have, uh, joined biology coming from a similar background. So you'd be quite unique in that aspect. I would, I would imagine anyway. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, I have met one person uh, who's sort of from a hunting background, and that's because he grew up on a farm. So he came from a, a pig, pig in background. And um, but everyone else, everyone, well, no one else that I've talked to so far has a hunting background. Yeah, I um did tried. I'm not not a great studier. Um, I enrolled in TAFE probably, yeah, late teens after school um, doing conservation land management and it was a total disaster because I'm crap at studying. But plus, like, the, I, I'd always wanted to be a park ranger growing up. That was, that was my dream job. Um, and then going there and meeting all the people that have enrolled to do this were just on totally different... <laughs> different sides of the conversation and like the instructors were all all different and I just did not gel well <laughs> no I can I can imagine hey uh and especially you know in your in your late teens and stuff you kind of that stuff kind of gets to you right yeah yeah um, whereas now it sounds like oh you go hunting I'm like yeah yeah exactly it's like ah. Oh. Okay, like I literally do not care about your opinion. Yeah, so, and, and I'm I'm like very content with myself. I'm proud of of doing that. Yeah, I also found that you know, park ranger, you're not actually outside doing hands on, getting your hands dirty. Like eighty percent of the time, you're like eighty percent to ninety percent in an office. <laughs> you know, so maybe the South Australian ones. Every yes. park ranger I've talked to up here are like. They're outside. There's a lot of pencil pushes down here. Yeah, I can imagine, eh? <laughs> so, how did you get into hunting? Um, basically, from a farming background. So, my extended family are farmers. And I would... My dad sort of took me there when I was sort of younger. I don't know what age exactly but sort of went there and they're like, you want to go shooting? I was like, yes. <laughs> like, what, what yes. doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, bro, I'm 15. Of course I want to shoot something. <laughs> I'm definitely safe to, you know, hold a gun. Um, <laughs> and from the, from whatever age it was, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. This is cool. Um, and on another side of my family, they were all shooters up sort of north, north-ish Queensland. And so I'd visit them and we'd go shooting there. And I was like, this is cool. I like doing this. And so, yeah, it's from there we'll do it going shooting. And then 
I one of my first jobs outside of school was at a gun shop um, when I was 17. And the owners of that gun shop have two 5,000 acre properties. So every long weekend, because I was well liked, they'd be like, we're going shooting. Like we're going out to this property and we're going shooting. We're going hunting um, at a very discounted rate. (laughs) And that was fantastic. And yeah, I've just been loving it since then. So how long did you work at the uh, gun shop for? I worked there for three years. Nice, nice. Uh, three pretty intense years. Um, not to like toot my own horn or anything, but I was probably one of the most like well liked people there uh, in terms of like the management and customers. That's good. And so that's sort of one of the reasons why every long weekend over those three years, we would pack up on a Saturday afternoon and go shooting on Saturday night and come back sort of Monday afternoon and open up the shop on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's uh, hard to, um, Gel with some of the uh, guys that work at uh, firearm shops down here. <laughs> okay, why is that? Oh, just some of them seem a bit um, know-it-all-ish, and <laughs> right, I know exactly the type you're talking about. Unless, yeah, unless they know who you are, like they just you know serve yeah, you. Yeah, and as that's quick not a very possible. nice attitude to deal with. Hey, nah, nah, not at all. You know? Not at all. So yeah, yeah it's a a, you know. You know what the uh, shooting community is like. <laughs> I do. So we um, met through f- working through Firearms Owners United. I'm a South Australian rep and your Queensland rep. Are, are you yeah, a Queensland yeah, I was, rep? Yeah. I was brought on as a Queensland rep. And then uh, last year they voted me onto the board of directors. Um, yes. And I've been doing that as well. So... I'll I'll do this in a further podcast with the president or the the founder, whatever you want to call him. How would you best describe what Firearms Owners United do? That's a really good question. And I think it's one that over the years has changed because I've been following them since since they started. And because they, they started with a really large issue with the Adler ban, which at the the Adler shotgun is a lever action shotgun, which uh, was perfectly fine and legal until the company that brought them in did a video showing how fast it shoots. And um, none of the federal or state governments liked that and quickly wanted to fully ban lever action shotguns or heavily restrict them. So Firearm Owners United, you know, stepped up and, and really tried to mitigate um, any sort of bans. And then, they um, put some money in to fight for uh, a gun called like the Wedgetail, the, an AR lookalike um, firearm to stop that getting banned and did really well. And since then, there haven't really been any large issues. So since, since bringing me on, we've been trying to go after some issues which are very palatable by the, by the public and seemingly low level but winnable causes. Um, so at the moment, just trying to get firearm instructors uh, to be eligible to import semi-auto firearms, which is a, a pretty big deal. Um, it doesn't seem like a, a large issue, but but it is. Um, so yeah, at the moment, we're very much trying to just correct 
some very illogical laws, I would say, is is what we're doing. That's that's a great way to definitely put it. Um, so people that I'm I'm not sure how long the current campaign's going for that um, firearms instructor one, but surely um, people can contact the firearms owners united and um, get a hold of the information of who to who to email um you've got some templates yeah yeah for sure um and basically so what i'm doing and i guess why they very much wanted me on the board is every few months we're going after another issue where uh, the board members and the reps will do some research into the laws we will find very specific laws which again are just illogical i mean as a whole as as a whole you could say all our gun laws are illogical <laughs> and that's a whole nother conversation however there are a lot of firearm laws which should be changed and won't receive backlash yeah and that will better the community as a whole 100 and so what we what we're trying to do is every few months just highlight these we put out a month's worth of information as to why this is a bad law why it's being changed and then we put up a template for you just like copy and paste into your word um like microsoft word fill out your own name and then send it to your local member of parliament and um yeah as as shooters we need it's good shooters hunters and alike we need to get behind these campaigns more um the shooting community in general tend to be pretty laxed when it comes to certain things you know they're the first to complain if something's taken away but it's hard to get everyone on board to help keep something or change something for the better and um firearms owners united are doing a great job of that you're doing an amazing lots of amazing work behind the scenes um yeah we are and it's a team effort it is a team effort but you're because uh, I, I know nothing about South Australian gun laws. I know that they're slightly similar, but you know, when we bring up something about South Australia, I have no idea. But you do. So you're the one who's like, hey, this is <laughs> this is the thing. Um so you, it's a team effort. Yeah, like I said earlier, you know, my um studying skills aren't too great. You know, I take a lot of my information on through podcasts and media as a such where reading technical fine print shit is not my specialty <laughs> no, it's it's quite difficult like it's it's pretty hard but you know it, it's still it's it's the whole team that yeah. does it it's, it's not just me it's not just one person within fireman's united no it's got... all of us kind of putting in an effort and being like hey this is an issue and at the end of the day we all just want better gun laws regardless of what that looks like. That we do, that we do, you know. Um, Eureka Tactical has a couple of great shirts to do with that, uh, the suppressor, the suppressor shush shirts. <laughs> yeah, I love those. Yeah, they're great. Um, so that's something that Eureka Tactical did for what I what I called Suppressor September, where last year, every single day of September, we put up a, like a new article or a new write-up of just, like, why we need suppressors. And um, it's very, very necessary. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy subject, that one. Um, you know, you look at 
a lot of the European countries that hunt, you know, it's frowned like it's illegal not to own a suppressor. New Zealand, yeah. it's frowned upon if you go hunting without a suppressor. The states, they're pretty. Talking to my mates over there, you know, you still have to apply for permits and stuff over there for suppressors. Where New Zealand, you can just go down to the local gun shop and get one off the shelf, you know. And then over right. here, it's the people that can get them. It's still a, it's still a very difficult process, and not many people, from my understanding anyway, can get them. Um, yeah, it's a very, very specific group of people in New South Wales who can get them. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. What What do you think... What's your opinions on the um, benefits of suppressor use over here? That... Man, I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> like I so, said, I found a new thing to post about every single day in September last year. Um but the main thing is to do with people's hearing. Um, as you know, like I'm pretty big on sort of this, like health in WHS and um, you know, your long-term health from hearing loss is like atrocious. And it's not just cause like, Oh, it sucks not to have to hear, but like, what does that mean? So people with like who with hearing loss have higher rates of depression, um, higher rates of suicide. And it's like, I like to be able to hear other people. I assume, you know, I'd like to be able to hear my grandchildren one day, right? 100%. Um, I think it would suck to not be able to hear him. And um, and I, I have tinnitus, which flares up every now and then. I'm sure you probably do too. And it sucks, right? So long-term, suppresses they make everyone healthier essentially yeah it's a definitely um, a mitigation thing you know the long term yeah when when we're talking about just like personal use it's good for the people but you know we have medicare right um medicare deals with hearing so it's better for the public in general to like it's cheaper yeah because be, um... there's less money going to um caring for people who have lost their hearing due to gunshots because like they have suppressors yeah and like hunting with hearing protection it's not a not a common thing like you know putting i know there's new stuff these days where you i've spoken about it before like where you got the the headphones that block out the sound of the gunshot and you can still hear stuff around but you know if you're wearing earmuffs or um earplugs like earplugs are horrible to stick in your ears and yeah. nine times out of ten you're probably not wearing them properly anyway um but you know you need that sound aspect while you're actually out hunting and then if you're going for a, you know my main hunting rifle these days is a 300 wind mag and i've got the muzzle brake on it you know <laughs> she can get loud 100 percent um i use those earmuffs the electronic earmuffs with microphones in them and they're good, except I also wear glasses, right? So there's a little air gap or not, you know, right right where my glasses sit, which kind of defeats the purpose of earmuffs in the first place, yeah. right? So, like, <laughs> it's a no-win situation. Um, do you, do and, you happen yeah. to know the brand of what um, hearing protection you're using? 
Yeah, I think they're called. I think the brand is Pelotor. Um, not Pelotor. Hutton Late. Heighten late. Um, I think most people would have seen them yeah. over the course of their shooting career. Yeah, I've seen like a- seen posts of some. It's something I really need to invest in. Um, I know this past rut after shooting a couple of deer, I'm sitting there afterwards. I'm like, ooh, my ears are ringing. <laughs> and I'll and be- you get that tremendous headache as well. Yeah, I, haven't, oh, I always do. I'm not that bad yet, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just you know, yeah. After morning hunting or target shooting, you go home. Target shooting, I wear earmuffs, but um, you know, you still go home and you've got that slight ringing <laughs> when you're laying in bed. Yeah, it's atrocious. So, when you're out hunting, what type of gear are you taking with you, and what style of hunting are you? you actually doing so primarily um farm hunts and pigs and i guess with hunting pigs as well is rabbits because that's like they just pop up and you're like sweet just shoot shoot one whilst you're here kind of deal um so spotlighting spotlighting pigs i don't use dogs I've, i've never gotten into dogs just don't like it um so it's rifles and shotguns and a car, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it just depends because I've gone on hunting in New South Wales on a quad bike, where that's a completely different setup than like going in the car and some farm hunts you got to walk on. So it's kind of just like depends on what what the situation calls for, but. Yeah, most mostly rifles and shotguns, I would say, and the appropriate caliber. What calibers are you running? Three oh eight if I'm shooting pigs, um, or just um anything but birdshot in my twelve gauge. What and what, um, what do you prefer? Mo- mostly India? solids. Mostly solids, yeah. Yeah. Um I've only just started using my shotgun for hunting pigs. Like in the past couple of years, I've always been against it, and then I went out with uh, went out with my dad, and I had my three hundred eight. He had my shotgun, and yeah, he got quite a few pigs. And I was just like, "Damn! Like the shotgun's actually not terrible." Hey, yeah, I've been wanting to th- use three hundred eight with my scope, and they're like twenty meters away. I'm like, like especially with my glasses, I'm like. <laughs> All right, like I gotta line up the scope exactly. They're already gone. It is just like boom, boom. I'm like, sweet. All right, I'm yeah, using the shotgun next time. I've been wanting so... to get some solids for my 12 gauge and um, try and get a deer with the with the under and over. I reckon just just to say I've done it. You know. <laughs> now that you say that, I've actually been wanting to do that for quite a few years. Uh, I have no reason why, and I definitely. Don't think I have the opportunity or ability to do so, but I want a deer with solids. I reckon we can um, get we can uh, arrange that when you come down. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, so what we do a little bit of pest mitigation as well um, with permits of uh, of kangaroos and farmers always have a problem with pigeons, and um, the shotgun is great for pigeons. And so with, again, with like the proper permits and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. What style shotgun are you running? Are you running an under and over, 
uh, lever action, yeah. straight pull. So I have a under and over a 30 inch. And that's because I used to shoot competition clays. Um, and it's just like a holdover from that. And I've been thinking that a, a short side by side would be great, but it's not necessary for me at the moment. I'm doing fine with the 30 inch shotgun anyway. Yeah, nice. Nice. So, yeah, I, I quite enjoy the 12 gauge. I, I need to put some more more time in it. I just, what is it, Lenora? I just got a cheap secondhand one from the from the gun shop and she does the job, you know, I've uh, shot some rabbits and that with it. Um, like I said, I want to change the chokes up and get it suitable for shooting solids. So, Yeah, it, they're so versatile, hey, and, you know, cheap ones are great. I mean, it's really hard to mess up an under and over shotgun or even a side-by-side <laughs> shotgun. Like... It's a bit of metal, a bit of wood. Exactly. It's, you know, cheap ones, expensive ones. It does unless you're shooting competition. Cheap ones are fine, and you know, there's nothing wrong with it, eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, what brand is your shotgun? It is an ATA, so it's it's a cheap shotgun. It's um, they're a nice like looking. a knockoff Beretta. Yeah, they're they're nice looking. I've uh, got a few mates. I I looked at them while I was looking at looking at second-hand shotguns to get. Um, what about your rifle? What rifle brand are you running? So for my 308, that's a Weatherby Vanguard. Um, so made in Japan, shoots well, shoots exactly how I need it to shoot, really. Um, I do use my 223. I, I, I was about to say a fair bit, but I don't really use it a fair bit anymore because the 308 does everything I need it to do. Um, and that's a Tika, and that nice. I love. I reckon that's probably my favorite rifle, and I luckily have like the wood on it is perfect. I mean, it looks like it's it should be for a more expensive rifle. It's so nice. So you're a wood wood guy when it comes to stocks on rifles, or in theory, yes, because they look nice. Um, <laughs> It's, it's my only wooden rifle, though, and the reason I, I got it is literally because, like, it just popped up, right? I was like, and I was, I was working at the gun shop. I said, I'm taking that. Like, <laughs> I am taking that. That is just so nice. It's it's a beautiful piece of timber. Um, sometimes I wish it wasn't because <laughs> I'd feel less bad, uh, but... That's what I like yeah. about the synthetics a bit more. You can uh, rough them up a little, little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. All, all my other, well, my twenty twos would, but I don't. Doesn't doesn't matter. Um, like yeah, my three hundred eight synthetic, my uh, three hundred blackout is synthetic, and yeah, I prefer that. Yeah, yeah. So when you're walking through the farms that you're you're hunting on, what's in your pack? Yeah. Um. So I knew this was coming up because this is you love gear. And it really changes. It changes. So in my pack, it changes because a lot of the hunts I'm on, I'm back at a at a, at least some sort of structure each night, right? Yeah. Um, or at least by my car, and I've got a Ute which has everything. So I'm really taking the minimal amount of stuff that I can. So it would be water. 
and a bit more water, my knife, ammo, because um, you know, I know you haven't hunted or you've you haven't seen pigs in Australia. Not yet. But no. Sometimes when you um hunt pigs, you don't just come across like one or two. Sometimes you can, especially like way out west, you can come across hundreds. Like I'm not exaggerating. There have been times when we've gone out west and you look out to the field and it looks like the field is moving because it's just pigs. Now, I know, um, and I know you that won't changes like me saying this, stuff. but that's what dreams are made of for me. When I got into... Not for, not for the farmer. Not for the farmer, but when I got into bow hunting, like my my bucket list species in Australia was a pig. And oh, I still really? have not got that yet. <laughs> like I've done a few trips chasing them. Haven't seen a live one. Come across dead I ones. I can almost guarantee you a pig. <laughs> uh, I will be annoyed because it's like a six-hour drive, but I would I could guarantee you a pig almost. You'll say that, and um, we'll be there for a weekend, and we won't see a single one. I've just got that bad. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so, so, yeah, you can come across just hundreds at a time. And, yeah, sometimes you come across zero. So I make sure to bring plenty of ammo. How many um, rounds are you taking with you? If you just say you're going so out for a if day. I'm walking, yeah. I'll have whether beholds I think three in the four in the magazine, so four, five on the rifle because I've got like a, a sleeve thing for it, and then maybe two packs of twenty in my bag. Yeah, nice. Um, and there have been times where I've shot all of them out, which, like, I'm not saying that I got you know, 40 kills <laughs> saying that I, I have shot all of them though. Someone gets a bit trigger um, happy. <laughs> hey man, look, I need glasses for a reason, right? Yeah, it happens to um, the best of us, man. Um, yeah. And, and I, I'll bring food as well. Um, when I was sort of younger, we we're doing like a lot of trail riding, like motorbike trail riding. And I got a tip from a dude who said, bring confectionery. So like your snakes and just like other lollies. And I was doing that for a while, but it kind of makes me sick now. Like, I think that's just like an age, like coming close to 30, I just get sick when I eat confectionery. So I try to just have like muesli or something, you know, and chow that down. I'm a sucker for a bag of lollies in in the hunting pack, you know. I used to do a fair bit of trail riding when I was younger with my, with my stepdad and, you know, would always the first thing we'd take with us, Mars bars and a Red Bull, just to, you know... Oh, it's finish. great, hey. Oh, like, it's... it makes you feel good. Yeah. Uh, but after that feeling that good ends, I'm like, oh, man, I, <laughs> I don't feel good, hey. <laughs> so, so I stopped doing that. Yeah, no. And now it's, now it's just, like, nice food. You ask the guys I go out with, I've, I've always got uh, plenty of snacks in the uh, backpack, whether it's some lollies, shapes, noodles... You name it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beef jerky. Oh, if we if we're doing a spotlight, bro, the back seat is just food. Like snack food. Cause who it is because you'd be going for like six hours, right? Sometimes you just you go until the sun's up and so you just bring in snack food and snack food. Uh definitely don't feel good the next day, but like you're in a coma the next day, so it doesn't matter. I do that when I take the uh with my seven year old out. 
So he'll be in the back seat with his pillows and his blankets and his games. And then I'll just have like a pack of donuts and chips and lollies and Coke. and. <laughs> That's fantastic. Love it. Make him most I mean, as comfortable as. <laughs> yeah, like it's horrible, but it's fantastic. Nah, it's not horrible. That's that's how every kid should be brought up. Going out spotlighting with their parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, top five dream hunts. I know it's a difficult question for you because why you're in hunting. Um, yeah. Um, I wouldn't... So this is a good question. And I think it's best explained by what you just said, um, by explaining what you just alluded to. The reason I hunt mostly is for agricultural purposes and conservation, right? So, so you you love it when there's heaps of game on a on a property, but to me, I'm like, that's costing so much money. Like, if you fly over wheat fields or grain fields or whatever, you can see like four wood drive tracks, like what it looks like four wood drive tracks, but it's just pigs because they just run through and just eat, um, or like foxes, jack you know, little calves, um, uh, pigs kill calves as well, lamb, um, they kill lambs or whatever. So when I'm on a farm, I'm like, like I'm hunting because I want to help out the farmer. I want him to make more money or rather lose less money. And, um, and then also there's other hunts where I'm like, I like the environment. I want to remove this animal and help out the environment. Um, so given that, <laughs> I don't really have like a dream hunt. I think it'd be fantastic to go to the US and do a, a big backpack hunt. Something that's, I mean, you do backpack hunts and whatnot, but as a Queenslander, it almost seems like it doesn't exist here. Like a proper walking hunt. I reckon because... you could do it up in the Cape. <laughs> you get access. Up yeah, there. you you could definitely do it. I know some guys go do canoe trips up there, and they hunt pigs and that out of. Yeah, good point. Uh, I should say southeast Queensland because I mean <laughs> Queensland is so big. Like Queensland is so big. Uh, yeah, as a southeast Queenslander, it's kind of hard to imagine um, being in an area where I can walk for so long that I'm not near even a track or i'm not like an hour drive away from the homestead um so it would be pretty cool to go to alaska and hunt a caribou uh my dad's actually alluding to doing that this year or next year um for the past three years of me doing my degree he's like so when do you finish your degree and also what do you think about hunting caribou in alaska and I'm like, are these things connected? <laughs> like, why are you asking me this? He's like, I'll, um, I'll celebrate you finishing your degree by me shooting a caribou in Alaska while you're studying. Yeah, right. <laughs> while you're in your like some his selfie of shooting a caribou or something. Why you're like, in? Oh yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> while you're in your final exams, you just get a yeah, selfie probably. of him with a, hey. <laughs> a giant. Ball. Um, and and that would be because it's a pretty great test of my skills, of my fitness, of my tracking ability. Um, but otherwise, in terms of realistic hunts, I don't have one. I just want to get out more. 
yeah. which will I will again when I finish my degree. So for you, it's um, it's not so much the animal that you're chasing; it's the experiences that you're having while you're out, rather than species specific. Yeah, yeah, and when I've done the camp hunts, it that's exemplified so much when like you're with friends or with a few family members and you're like proper camping it's definitely more the experience i've been with my friends and um just doing some awesome stuff but then otherwise all of it for me is like yeah i'm, I'm helping the environment or helping a farmer and and that makes me feel good yeah 100 percent, man um i i know i've alluded to this before where I'm torn of being a hunter in Australia, you know, I had that post about it a couple, a month or so ago, you know, being torn between the conservation side of things, which I've always been big into, you know, all of my school projects that were free choice in primary school and high school were on introduced species. Um, And then as I've gotten older, I've got more of a love for certain species, deer, more so than, you know, pigs. I understand we've had these conversations before. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, deer will always hold a special place in my heart. They, they, I wouldn't be who I am today without them. Um, so I do have these, this torn thing where it's like, you need to get rid of them for the conservation purposes, but I want them around for my selfishness and how much I love. <laughs> I love no, them. And a hundred percent, you know, I mean, so obviously most people don't know our deep and private conversations, <laughs> but we have talked for hours about this issue. I wouldn't um, say talked, more argued. <laughs> well, you argue. I'm usually just chilling watching Family Guy or something, uh, <laughs> you know, but <clears throat> there's... There's all these things going on in Australia with these introduced species, um, and and that full conversation will happen at a later date. But um, at the end of the day, like they sort of are bad for the environment, but hunting is extremely fun, and you know, going from like a target shooting perspective, right, to then actually shooting an animal. And I know that's a very that's not like a very nice way to say it, but that act of shooting an animal is quite difficult, um, unless unless it's like a cull, like a from a like a roo cull or something. But actually, like, because there's all these steps that lead up to pulling the trigger, like finding the tracks. Uh, unless you talk to the farmer and he's like, "Oh yeah, they're over there." Um, in which case, it's it's pretty easy, and that's how it is for most southeast queensland hunts but otherwise you you have to you know scan the property you have to find some scat you have to find some um like footprints and then you have to track it and then you have to listen out and be like hey this it sounds like they're over there let's go check that out and then you're hiking um and then you do find it and i haven't experienced this and i'm not sure why um maybe it's because i've done a lot of target shooting or because i did it since i was was young um a lot of people get an adrenaline dump when they're about to pull the trigger um like buck fever kind of deal 
Um, there's another word for it, which escapes me. So there's all these steps leading up to pulling the trigger. And then when you pull the trigger and you, you kill an animal, it's like confirmation that you can shoot well. It's confirmation that you're a good tracker. It's confirmation of being like an outdoorsman, right? You're like, this, this is a really good feeling. And not to get too spiritual, uh, like as a scientist, for some reason, I'm not supposed to be spiritual or whatever, <laughs> but like you just feel connected to like hundreds of thousands of years of humanity yep. of being like, oh shit, like I did this thing um that people did a hundred thousand years ago i know pete this is a a podcast you're listening to and you're not watching but this shirt here that i'm wearing from et describes that that feeling it's the hunter gatherer shirt shows from the yep. um early ape stage to a guy with a swing and a shotgun with a dog by his side you know yeah it's, and that's sort of the inspiration behind the shirt as well it's just uh, behind in that DNA. design so, um, but, but yeah, on, on that topic, it's like, yeah, if you got rid of all these animals, which, which you hunt, you might, you wouldn't have that connection. Um, you would have kangaroo hunts. I, I reckon that there'd be booming native species and, uh, the Australian governments would have to start doing kangaroo hunts, uh, which, which are already available, but it'd be more. Again, I've um, said this before, but you can't really hunt a kangaroo. You can only shoot. No. They're not they're not very smart when you're shooting. But when you're hunting You can make other, it difficult on yourself though. When you're hunting other things, they're the smartest thing around. <laughs> a kangaroo yeah, 100%, will, right? <laughs> a kangaroo will uh-huh. see you before any other game does and run. But if you're everything on, else. <laughs> if you're on a kangaroo cull, they just stand there and look at you, you know? They do. <laughs> they do. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very valid point to be torn between, you know, conservation and hunting. Um it's just like one of those sort of unfortunate realities we have to think about. Like, if all of a sudden there were no pigs, well, I'd be like how much motivation would I have to go and work on the farms? Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I know that makes it sound like I, you know, have a poor work ethic or whatever, but I mean, that's half my motivation to go out there is hunting pigs because it's, it's enjoyable to me and it does help them out. And then I do other stuff, you know, with like helping out harvest or whatever. Um, cause pig numbers generally rise just before harvest because like the reason you harvest is because you have a lot of food. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of food for the pigs. So that's, it's, they sort of coincide. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel a little bit sad, but I'd also feel very happy that now there's no more pigs. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's a very valid thing to be sort of worried about. Yeah. It's, it's, you know? it's definitely different because, you know, I know you're against, a um, North American model of conservation over here for the introduced <laughs> introduced species. Um, yeah. Then there's there's a guy in Tassie, Shane. Um, I want to get him on the podcast soon. He'll be a, an excellent guest. Um, where he wants like deer to be the new the new native type. <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> you, I just feel physical pain hearing that. Uh, uh, and that's that's why I brought it up. To watch, I know that's why you brought it up to watch you squirm like a like a little schoolgirl, you know. <laughs> a little schoolgirl. That's just been fucking stabbed by his mate. Her <laughs> mate, I guess. Uh, but you know, we we are all in hunting for different reasons. Um, you know, we don't have the reasons that Americans do, or you know. The African countries do, um, the European countries. We, you know, we're pretty. Apart from New Zealand, we're pretty unique over here. Um, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And the thing to remember with, say, like the North American model is they're introduced in um, invasive species for the most part have the same rules as us. So that's why you have. Um, all these videos of people shooting pigs out of helicopters with fully automatic guns is because they are a problem and they just go for it. Um, there are some things like certain goats from like, I think like Iberian, some Iberian goat. I can't remember the exact Ibex. species. One of, Ibex, the, one. one of the Ibex species um, in Arizona, I believe, yeah. or New Mexico. I had the IB part right. I was like, <laughs> um, you know, they they have decided that that's a, a tag um, system and whatnot. But by and large, they have um, no restrictions on their introduced and invasive species. Yes, um, pig wise and some other species wise. But deer, you've yeah. got seeker deer in Maryland. They have a tag system. You've got samba deer on an island one of the islands off of the off of one of the coasts there that have a tag system draw, lottery draw system um you yeah. have, you have um scimitar oryx you've got gemsbok so all the yeah. all of these introduced species and they have a all tag of those are adjacent to species they already have there though um but then other states even on native coyotes you can just shoot, yeah. shoot them, and it's like they're native. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, the US and Australia are different, and that's why we need different approaches. Hundred um, percent. And you know, invasive and introduced species aren't just the huntable, like commonly hunted species. They're like the other things that you probably don't think about too often, or you know, because you don't hunt it. So, like the marine species. Um, actually, well, no, you, you would with those ones like carp and, um, the other fish, but you know, you got your crown of thorn starfish and whatnot in the great barrier reef, which is invasive species, um, that they just need to get rid of. There's certain insects, which they are trying to just wipe out and whatnot. So, you know, when we're talking about introducing invasive species, it's not just the ones we hunt. There's also other things going on in Australia, which are bad and, um, you know, you've got to have a conversation about those as well yeah. uh, when you come down to, like, the ecosystem and whatnot. 100%. Cane toads, you've got... Um, we've just had a species of crab put on high alert in South Australian waters, some Asian paddler crab, and um, it's yep. very similar looking to one of our species we have down here, but it's... I think it's poisonous if eaten 
but it's very similar looking to one of the right. species we have. Um, so we're on, we've been put on high alert for that for the last couple of years. You know, there's constantly alerts put out by our fisheries down here. Um, but then you've got weeds, you've got sea, like different snail species. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have them, but the little um, mosquito fish, you know, we they're quite prevalent down here in most of right. our freshwater species fresh waterways but there's yeah invasive species in general are just a um for the most part i'm fine with wiping out majority of invasive species right except yeah. for my deer back the fuck off my deer <laughs> yeah except, except the ones you like and so that's why it's like hang on um but again, that's that's something we can go in detail about another time because, hundred uh, percent, like we we have talked about this maybe at least four hours a month for the past like however long we've been talking. I honestly. love it because it like, puts depth in all my other other conversations I have with other people, and then I use your arguments against them. So I do yeah. play devil's advocate, and I do play both sides. But I also admit uh, it's a very emotional topic for me because the love I have for these certain species. <laughs> yeah, and I, I completely understand that. I hundred percent, hundred percent. So coming from a gun shop background, what would be your top beginner tip for someone getting into hunting, shooting? Well, it's um. I think there's a few different levels for this. So if you're getting into shooting, uh, just for the sake of shooting, right? Um, aside from doing like the safety course and all that, um, when you're talking about like what rifles, I would say always start with the twenty-two. Um, even with handgun shooting, try and start with the twenty-two. And the reason for that is the firearm itself. Usually you can get for like five hundred dollars um, plus like a two hundred three hundred dollar scope, and you're under a thousand dollars. And like even let's say we we even out at a thousand dollars because we've got like ammunition and whatnot. That's still quite a lot for a lot of people, but it's still low enough where if you don't like the sport, it's not a horrible waste of money. Um, and so then twenty two ammunition is generally cheap. And it's low recoil, so you can go to the range, shoot a quite quite a few rounds, and it hasn't cost you that much. You don't have a sore shoulder, and um, you can kind of get used to recoil and whatnot, and the loud noises. Because something that happens with a lot of beginners, which I've seen just from like taking people shooting and from being a firearm instructor, is people anticipate the recoil. Um, so if you start someone off with a 12k shotgun or with like a 308 or something, they're not going to come back to shooting. I mean, they might because it's super fun, but unless you really instruct them, like because there's heaps of videos on YouTube with people just shooting and they get scope eye, um, they hurt the shoulder or whatnot, they're not going to have a great time. They're enjoyable uh, but videos you... to watch though. <laughs> oh, yeah, so good to watch. Those uh, So good to watch. You, you would know but... this one, but the um, bunch of... Oh, I'm I'm not sure what culture they are, but they're wearing the full Arabic robe, 
head headgear right. stuff and they're shooting the 500 or the 600 nitro express or whatever it is yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just like the rifles are flying into the, into the glass panels yeah. behind them and smashing glass it's fantastic and knocking turbines off yeah. and stuff oh it's it's there yeah. That, that's for one sure. of my favorite videos for sure. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Um, but it's what we want to avoid when you when someone first starts shooting. So when you start with the 22, there's low recoil and there's low noise. So you can kind of get used, you can get over the fear of pulling the trigger. And yeah. that's that's really important. Um in terms of like getting into shooting, I would say everyone says this and it's a cliche, but you have to find someone. It is so hard to get into shooting without finding someone um, because it's just like it's kind of nerve-wracking going to a range for the first time. Yeah. You know, you go to a range. Um, I don't know if you've ever shot up here, but the most common range in Brisbane is the Belmont range, and it's massive. Uh, so first of all, it's a massive complex with heaps of different ranges in it. So just finding the right spot is hard. Um, but then when you go to the SSAA range, it's full every single day. So there's maybe 50 people there already shooting. There's already gunshots going off. Um, it's kind of it's kind of nerve-wracking. So if you go somewhere else, they have a bit of experience. They can sort of just walk you through it and help you out. Um, failing that, um, contact one of the organizations. It doesn't have to be Firearm Owners United, just any of the organizations, your local club, um, the national clubs. Just ask them, hey, like, is there, a, like, this is where I live? Is there a range here that's close by? Um, is there coaching? Is there something that can help out? Um, I so- would say go to your local gun shop, but don't do that. <laughs> they pay minimum wage. They don't, like, so- don't go to your local gun shop and, I mean, like, do go to your local gun shop and, like, buy stuff. But just remember, like, they're, they're just people just working at a gun shop. Like, I'm not going to ask the people to Big W, um, like, how to fix my Xbox, you know. <laughs> like, it's like, but they're working, they're selling Xbox. They should know. It's like, well, yeah, but not everyone who works at the gun shop sort of knows every detail yeah. about every aspect of shooting. Um, whereas if you have someone who does have an idea of what you're already into and what you like, they can guide you a little bit better. Um, and yeah, I've, I have a lot of feelings about working on a gun shop and being asked, like, <laughs> it's like, I live in Townsville. Where's a good range? Like, bro, I'm in Brisbane. <laughs> like I haven't been to Townsville since I was seven. I don't know. So I know, um, know this is a very so, yeah. state specific question for you. Um, and I know how much you love state-specific firearm law questions. What's the go with um, target shooting on private property in Queensland? So this is um, that's a fantastic question because the law gets misinterpreted quite often. Um, you're not supposed to take someone who doesn't have a firearms license shooting on private property so a person must only hold a firearm in queensland if they have a firearms license or if they are under super direct supervision at a firearms range and um 
I guess if you tell me you're going to ask me this question, I would have looked up the um, <laughs> like the exact line on the on the legislation because uh, like I'm very into getting things right. You're very so, anal, yes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, um, that's why I and, asked it and asked it as in like a specific question for Queensland yeah. because we had this discussion the other day about firearms laws being misinterpreted state by state, different states, um, you know. But someone told me this, and I can do it in this state, so that's their go-to for... Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to firearm laws, I mean, there's, there's... There's no guarantee that the cop who, like, pulls you up, like, well, is going to charge you with anything, but they can. And, I mean, the courts are always going to side with the cops versus the gun yeah. owner, right? Yeah. Which is why a firearm owner united exists and why they've taken things to court. Um, but when I was doing firearm instruction work, I, in Queensland, you have to take this course, um, which is like a, a proper course that's sort of like you get a certificate um, and whatnot. And it's under the training, like the federal training framework. Part of the course is a PowerPoint saying like this is what you can do this is what you can't do and the information is dictated by the uh weapons licensing branch of queensland police like there's like a minimum of what we have to tell you so you can do the written test and pass the written test but then um because there's time and because i feel like that's not enough i'll do a little bit more than the minimum and each of my slides when i'm referring to something would have like an exact legislation reference so it's like you are a fit and proper person if this this you are not a fit and proper person if this and this this storage requirements etc and every single session i would have someone argue with me someone will be like um but i heard you can store your guns like this i'm like no that's not the legislation this is the exact legislation and this is what it means and they still argue i'm like bro like <laughs> i don't know how it can be more specific and a major one that comes up is um, like how much ammunition you can keep. So, and this is kind of what set me off originally of wanting to get things exactly right because I, in the gun store and at the range, I'd hear people say all the time, you can only have 10,000 rounds per license holder. And then I hear other people say you can have 10,000 rounds per household. And then people are like, you can have 10,000. Like, where is this coming from? Who's saying this? Um, so when I was a firearm instructor, I'd bring this up, and it's not even under the Weapons Act. It's the Department of Mines and Resources because they deal with explosives. And um, it says if you have more than 10,000 rounds, it, aside from the other storage requirements, you need to have a dangerous goods 1.4S sticker on, like, where it's being kept. Like, that's it. You can have more than 10,000 rounds. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, myths about the law within this community that I have no idea where people, like, is someone making it up and spreading it with that confidence? Um, is it, like, a holdover? Is it – I don't know. So when I say something, I want to be very specific and I, I usually want to reference something. Um, but, yeah, in Queensland, you cannot take – someone shooting who doesn't have a firearms license on private property. How do it's, you feel about that? Because in South Australia, you can. As 
far as I'm aware, is what I'm going to put on that. <laughs> just just to not be certain, because I know how much you love that. Um, from memory, they have to be in eyesight of you. Again, it's weird, weird wording. Um, do you think you should be able to, if you have access to a property, do you think you should be able to take someone out without a firearms license? and teach them so they get some understanding in your I want two minds about it because it's how I started, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, my first shots were, and no one had any, like, the people I'm with didn't know what the law was. And, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a long while ago, but I'm sure it's still the same law. Um, it's how so many people get started. It's how so many people get started. Like, I, I wouldn't know the exact numbers, but it's got to be, like, It'd have to be most people. So, like, yeah. their first shots would have to be this way, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and if there was enforcement of those laws, some, I don't know how, but if there was, man, we'd have no more new shooters. We'd be denying so many people um, the pleasure of shooting. Yeah. And And so I think that sucks. On the other side of it, I've met so many just reckless and irresponsible people shooting. It's insane. Um, just actually just last week or the week before, I had someone at my house just doing some, um, just checking for like termites. And, and uh, when he left, he was like, did you used to work at the gun shop? I was like, yeah, I left like seven years ago. It's like, I thought I recognized you. Like, okay, then. <laughs> like, all right. And so we started talking about guns and um and shooting and he was telling me about like he went out with someone who would just shoot randomly like they would just like jump out and just like lean across the bonnet and shoot and it almost hit the mirror so many times um i've gone out with someone who and this is sort of the only time i went out with someone who i already didn't like um but i was not going to pass up an opportunity i soon he got he loaded around whilst he's in the car, jumped out as he got out of the Land Cruiser, pulled the trigger. And it, it like made a small like dent in the, uh, like the window frame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, man, I, I don't want to be here. Hey, <laughs> like, I don't want to be here. See, that's, um, that's one thing. So I I'm think a- firearms should be introduced to, especially if you want like kids young is because you yeah. can teach drill that safety discipline into them. Cause it's easier yeah. to teach them and drill them when they're younger than when someone's older. That's, that's under the assumption that everyone who's doing that is a responsible person though. Yeah. Uh, so in Queensland, I think most States to get your driver's license, you need to do a hundred hours of supervised driving, right? There's still fuckwits on the road though. Like, I know, I drive trucks people, every day. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably one of them. Yeah. Um, so, like, that sounds nice. Um, but overall, I think most people do do the right thing, um, for sure. So, like, I am of two minds of it. Like, on one side being like, there are so many great introductions. Um, and then when you start them young and with the right teacher, they get a respect of the firearm. But then on the other side, I'm like, 
are these guys going to be teaching people? Because <laughs> I really hope not. Hey, yeah, I, I think I think overall, it's a good thing. Otherwise, there'd be so many more deaths, right? A hundred percent more injuries, yeah, more deaths. I I know that's like a long-winded answer, but I I can't not be brought. Like I can't. Like I have to sort of you know be reasonable. It's a podcast, long-winded answers of what it's all about, man. If I yeah. <laughs> if I asked you a question and you just went this and left it at that, it would be boring as fuck. So going down, you do these, have a point there. Going down, I'm these... very pedantic. <laughs> and because like it was my job for three years. Yeah, you know, I had five gun licenses. One of them was my instructor license, uh, which I was doing every single week, like doing safety courses. So like I've seen a lot of. You know, uh, yeah, safety is just like, like, yeah, it was my job. <laughs> so going from top beginner tips, we dragged that out a long way. <laughs> we did. What would be which? Your... Which in, we'll we'll do that in short. Get a twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, uh, perfect. You know, um, I I definitely agree with you on that aspect. Uh, top five items for a beginner getting into shooting. We'll just won't say hunting. We'll just say shooting in general. Just, um, we can talk about hunting as well. And I've been thinking about this because I knew like you're gonna ask it. Um, everyone has said binoculars. Everyone said good shoes and all that. So like, listen to the previous twenty podcasts and you know get a good pair of binoculars and get a good pair of shoes. Um, I would say get clothes. That are like rugged. Um, don't be put off by needing. Don't be thinking that you need to get hunting clothes. Um, I've been going out bush a fair bit lately, not for hunting, just for other purposes. And I've been just trying like non-bush clothes, just because. Yeah, when I was getting like proper into hunting, like you go into some of these hunting stores and you see camo for like like $300 pair of pants and like, do I need a $300 pair of pants? And like, look, no, you don't. Um, especially if you're doing day hunts, you can get away with jeans. I assure you, you can get away with jeans. Um, I'm currently going out bush in uh, a hard yakka shirt with the um, like air holes because it's good. So I would say just the top, thing that you need is clothing that you can afford don't be put off by needing hunting clothes and make sure it protects you from the sun okay uh yeah i, I really want to stress the point you don't need the expensive clothes Rugged just buy clothes that protect you from the sun yep comfortable sun yeah. protective um breathable i'd say depending on what climate yeah. you're hunting you do make a good point you know i've i've hunted goats in purple board shorts and a pink singlet yeah you know it, it it's it's possible camo does break up your and give you more of a a benefit than just having a solid color um jeans depending on what you're hunting deer tend to see in uv so blue jeans you're gonna look like a strobe light to them from yeah. the waist down um but yeah just just rugged comfortable clothing i'd just you... rugged, comfy clothes is is all that's sort of necessary when it comes to clothing. Um, 
one of my friends, he hunts in his in his tradie gear. Um, and yeah, yeah, just clothing that protects you from the sun and it can be anything. What you have, just get out there. Um, you also would need... I'd say a backpack with a uh, hip strap. I think that's an, that's important. What's it called? Is, is it called the hip strap? Yeah, hip, uh, belt. The hip belt. Yeah, waist waist strap. And the reason for that is if you are walking around, it's going to swoosh around, and it's you're going to have a bad time if you don't have that support. It's going to suck. Yeah, you put majority so, of the weight on your hips and the shoulders are just holding it in place. They're not yeah. actually taking any weight. Yep. So that's that's pretty important. Um, I'd also say for the nighttime, the Australian bush gets damn cold. Like, it gets cold at nighttime, even in summer. Um, so cold for a Queenslander is anything under 15 degrees. I was going to say Celsius. anything under 30 degrees Celsius, eh? <laughs> oh, mate, you know, I've, I've got, I'm rugged up when it's 19. I'm like, bro, it's, if it's under 20, hey, it's cold. You look like but you're in snow gear and it's 15 degrees over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it gets super cold at nighttime. And this is where a separate change of clothes from your hunting clothes is important because you don't want to be cold and just, like, not sleep. So, bring, I, I say this, I'm fully serious, bring your trackies and bring your Uggs, okay? Uh, because Uggs you want to be idea. warm at nighttime. You would be and the guy that's spotlighting in Uggs. I have pictures of me spotlighting in Uggs. I bet you. You've seen, yeah, you've seen my my photos of me out out on the farm hunting in Uggs. So I bet you wearing um, a hoodie around the house too, don't you? <laughs> a hoodie around? Nah, the, not hoodie. Only wearing a hoodie. The hoodies, the hoodies, those big oversized. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at them the other day, but um, <laughs> nah, I would. But they're a bit too expensive for me, and I'm cheap. So <laughs> you're a uni. So student. you want? It's okay. That's right. <laughs> so you want something that uh, keeps you comfy. So again, listen to all the other podcasts for the other things. But this is well. You want to be warm um, at nighttime. And I've I've gone out with people who didn't realize it's actually cold at nighttime. <laughs> like, like okay, because I mean it's hot during the day, so it's like why is it cold during the night? It's yeah. Like it just it just is. Um, so yeah, bring your trackies, bring bring your Udi, bring your Uggs. Just be nice and warm at nighttime. Um, it just makes the thing the experience more pleasant. And if you have a pleasant experience, you're gonna come back and do it again. Yeah, I get laughed right? at when I go out spotlighting because I'm wearing all my camos, and because yeah. I've got my camos there. You know, nice warm warm pants, nice warm shirt, nice warm jumper. And everyone's like, why are you wearing your camos out hunting? The camouflage doesn't help you when you're spotlighting from a car. It's like, no, but it's my hunting gear. It's the stuff that I, I'm happy with getting covered in blood. It's warm. Yeah. That's why I wear it. <laughs> so I um, the second the second last time I went out with my cousin, we were going spotlighting on the quads, and he has his bathrobe and Uggs. <laughs> Bloody it's up. fantastic because <laughs> like it's, it's like a nice yeah like it's got clothes on as well but it's like a i'm sure you know 
the, the point <laughs> I'm trying to make is, it's like, look, you don't have to spend a lot of money um, to be comfy. So then that's one, two, three, uh, four would maybe like, you have to bring your rifle, obviously you have to bring ammunition. Um, you have to have all that. I would say a watch because it is insane how fast time passes when you're not checking your phone every five minutes. Yeah. When you're not on Instagram, I'm on Instagram all day because I'm talking to my business partner. I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> Or whatnot. So I'm on Instagram all day and time passes slowly. But when you're at Bush, time, like when you're not looking at your clock, time passes weird. And so if you have a general idea of how long you've been out, it's it's a good thing to kind of check on. And because when you've got a watch on, you're not checking your phone. So you can be more in the experience and in the moment. And um, that's that's really important. No, I like that answer. Um, I like that answer yeah. a lot. Um, I, uh, I love a good Garmin watch, you know, yeah. a bit multifunctional. I, I have the most basic. I have a Casio F91W, <laughs> which has not changed since like the 80s. Um, I have this watch. I have an analog watch in there. That, like all I have, I I don't like smart watches. Yeah, no, nah, I, I love my Garmin. You know, tells you your steps, your heart rate, the distance you walk. So. It gives you a pretty accurate, you know, there's sometimes you hear, hear someone, oh, we walked 15Ks today. And it's like, I doubt you did. <laughs> I, I don't care. Yeah. Like, like if I'm on a farm, it's like, like I need to get to that paddock regardless of how far it is. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. But I know I need to be back by a certain time. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like sundown or whatever. Um. So, yeah, I watch. And, yeah, even though even though Zach's wearing like a, a nice smartwatch, honestly, just have yeah. This is twenty bucks. Casio F ninety one W. The batteries never need to be changed because it's literally like an LCD screen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and it lasts forever. And like, if you scratch it, who cares? Like, if you broke your Garmin watch, would you be sad? Oh, hundred percent. If this if this breaks, I'd be like, okay, I'll just dig into the bucket and get another one. Yeah, but you're a cheap uni student. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, number one, you know, bring a friend. Bring a camera if you don't have any friends. Um, but bring a friend. Like, bring something to remember things by. Something I'm starting to regret because of you is not taking more photos. Um, so I've never taken a trophy photo in my life. I've never taken a grip and grin. I've never done any of that. Um, and Zach hounds me like at least once a fortnight. It's like, oh, you prove that you've gone hunting. <laughs> I'm like, I've got <laughs> photos of me being on a property. I've got photos of me like doing other things, like holding a rifle even. That's bushwalking and, like, with I'm a rifle. And clearly not in suburbia. It doesn't count. And he's like, nah, nah, that doesn't count. Um <laughs> But like, and I, I do take photos when I'm out bush. I take photos of like the stars and stuff because I find that to be really cool when you're away from um the city lights. But yeah, take a friend, bring a camera, and record the things that you're doing. Um, I think the next few hunts I'm gonna do like vlog style stuff, even if it's just for me. Uh, and I'll send it to you because you're a dick. Because <laughs> I'm a vlog, you want to see it. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, like there's times I'm like, 
what did I do on that hunt? Like, I've got nothing to remember it by, except like friends who I don't talk to anymore because like the old workmates yeah. or whatever who've moved on. Um, yeah, I've just got like, I've got like nothing. I've got nothing to remember it by because I've got like yeah no photos. Yeah, uh, that's what I and like. I've about got no friends. <laughs> that's what I like about the photos. You know, it's just a constant reminder of what happens, and it kind of takes you back to where you were at the time. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so, so we've got comfy clothes that yep. you can walk around in that do not have to be expensive. Got a backpack that's not going to break your back. We've got um, trackies and Uggs for the nighttime. <laughs> we've got a nice watch and we've got a camera and or a friend. Perfect, perfect. Zombie apocalypse weapon. <clears throat> yeah, look, shotgun. Shotgun. Easy. Just fucking... Uh, I shouldn't swear because this is going out to kids and stuff, but just kill kill the kill the zombies, you know. Shoot them in the face. Straight you know, ball, you know, under seen, and over. Well, I've seen probably more what happens. Yeah, this Lever action, what are you going? Working in the gun shop, I've seen too many lever actions come back for warranty issues. <laughs> and there's no warranty in a zombie apocalypse, so just uh, a break-in-action shotgun. It lasts forever. I don't even know when I last cleaned my shotgun, honestly. Like, <laughs> it just works. Uh, and I live next to the ocean, and it's not rusted, so, like, it must be okay. Uh, so, you know, shotgun, easy done, boom. What have you forgotten on a hunting trip? I have forgotten a magazine, and that was probably the worst thing I've forgotten, uh, for my Tika. Uh, well, actually, I've forgotten a magazine on the way back, on, on the way there, and on a separate hunt, I f- forgot my favorite hunting knife on the property. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. My bench made, uh, I don't know how to pronounce like, the model name, but it's like a $300 knife. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. But yeah, getting to the property and not have my magazine, I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking here we go. <laughs> 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 Single shots only, lads. Sp- Speaking of that quickly, what's the um, travel requirements when you're going from home to a property or home to the range? Can you travel with a bolt in or do you have to travel with a bolt out in Queensland? So the law is it has to be temporarily inoperable. Um, So the easiest way to make something temporarily inoperable, uh, like a a bolt action rifle to make it temporarily inoperable is just to keep the take the bolt out. So generally, um, this is probably the only time I'll say like a law generally is just take the bolt out when you're traveling because it's just easier and it makes it easier if you get pulled up for the police because they only know the general laws. And most of those who I've talked to only know um take the bolt out you know what i mean like yeah that's just sort of that's sort of just like what they know um take the bolt out and if you have the bolt in it's like yeah technically i'm correct officer like but you're gonna have to sit there and look up the legislation or if they're a dick you're gonna have to go to court yeah so um make the car uh, make the vehicle temporarily inoperable um, the firearm and just take mean? the bolt out. Make, yeah, sorry. Uh, make make the firearm temporarily inoperable, 
and do that by taking the bolts out. Otherwise, you can have a, um, a trigger lock on the firearm. So that's a lock that goes over the trigger guard and it's locked by keys. It's like a clamp on either side. Um, you can have a cable lock. So a cable lock um, for a, a rifle will go through the action and through the magazine well. And that way, even if the bolt's in it, you can't close it. Um, but the thing is, like, if you're doing that way, then the bolt's just, like, slopping about. <laughs> um, so... That's horrible. <laughs> like, you don't want to do that anyway. Yeah. No. So just take the bolt out and, and put it in a separate container or whatever. Um, it just makes the, makes your life easier if if you get pulled up by the by the police. But and just technically, to make that clear, that's, this is Queensland-specific we're talking. This here. is Queensland-specific. And that's uh, Queensland Weapons Regulation Section 96. Nerd. <laughs> I've got my PowerPoint up because like, you started asking these questions. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be specific." <laughs> What's the sketchiest thing that's happened when you've been out on a hunt? <clears throat> so, you know how in a relationship, <laughs> communication is key. Yeah. Well, farmers fucking suck at communication. <laughs> And so I've been on a property, <clears throat> which I was cleared for. I, I know the property owner. We teed it up. It's like, hey, I'm going on this property this time. He's like, yep. And it turns out there's other people on the property as well. And when you're dealing with a thousands of acres, well, sometimes you come across them. And sometimes it's like you don't know they're on, like they're fine. They don't know you're fine. And uh, yeah, I've had like pot shots taken at me. <laughs> Jesus. Not like they want. weren't like specific shots at me or anything, but uh, they're just like in the direction of where we are and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, here we go. Like <laughs> that's not good. Not what and you want. Yeah, at all. that that's yeah. I, it's not fun. Um, it's unpleasant. What's the most important item you take out with you when you're out hunting? First aid kit for sure. I uh, have never had to use it, and I hope I never do have to, but for sure. And you know, I've got, because of my security work, I've got like current first aid certs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so first aid kit, the most important thing you can have. Yeah, I um, is, have one in my, in my pack. I've got about two or three in my car constantly. Yeah. One in my camper trailer. Um, and I use them. I use mine all the time. I, tweezers to get splinters out um oh yeah that's a good point yeah the little splinter diggery out pick things um the you know stingo burn burn cream oh yeah yeah all of that yeah stuff. that's important so uh i, I yeah, find for sure the amount of people that um i've chatted to that don't carry a first aid kit blows my mind um on top of that an epurb is something else i I find pretty yeah. important to take out. I, I should take one of those. Um, but when I'm, I'm always on farms. So I have the, the UHF and if something yeah. happens, I'm like, like, Oh, you guys, can you get the flying doctors out? Or something, <laughs> you know? like, um, but I'll go, I'll go one up. Actually. I'll go one up. If you're in Southeast Queensland, if you're, no, if you're, and if you're hunting from North Queensland to central New South Wales in bushland, 
bring waxing strips with you. Okay. And the reason for that is because of a plant called Gimpy Gimpy. So this plant, Gimpy Gimpy, is um, like a stinging nettle, so kind of like poison ivy kind of deal, except it is known as the world's most painful plant. It's got heart-shaped leaves, and on these heart-shaped leaves are these are thousands of tiny little silicon needles. And they have a neurotoxin in them because this is Australia. Of course, it has <laughs> toxins in it. <clears throat> when they enter your skin, if you rub it, um, it goes deeper into your skin and your skin folds over it. And so the toxin from this plant, um, it's made people kill themselves before because it's so painful. Um, horses are known to just run until they die if they rub against it. Um, to get rid of this plant, it's a, it's a native plant, but you, I guess you can get rid of it. Um, you have to have like a full hazmat suit and you have to burn it because if you cut it and you like, it gets like in the wind, this needle spread, which means you can inhale them. Um, I've brushed up against this plant when I'm out hunting. Uh, when I was crawling under Lantana and it brushed up against my forearm and <laughs> that, that was unpleasant. It, I poured water on it straight away and I called on my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, hey, I'm coming home. I need you to go to Woolworths and buy some waxing strips. Don't ask questions. Just go and do it. And I sped home. Uh, it was two and a half hours and, yeah, we waxed my arm. Um, so I got most of it out. And that's that's like the Queensland Ambulance Service. That's what that's the technique they use to treat this. They go. use waxing strips. Um. And yeah, I felt that pain for months, and it felt like uh, it felt like I was getting a tattoo by a tattoo gun that was on fire. That's nuts. It was so painful. So yeah, if you're hunting from Queensland down to Central New South Wales, bring waxing strips in your first aid kit because if you accidentally brush up against this plant, oh my god, it is so painful. <laughs> I and yeah, it's known as the world's most painful plant as well. Like it's like literally known as that. Crazy! I haven't heard so, of it. I'm gonna have to look into that one. It's, n- it's not in South Australia. Thank God. Oh yeah, it sucks. How do you see the public views on hunting? This is a fantastic question because we've talked about this uh, a couple of times. You've had a very bad experience with hunting, with people knowing that you hunt. Interesting. Uh, you've had a sure. Um, I go to university. I go to university and the meme about universities is that it's all progressives and lefties and the anti-gun and anti-hunting and stuff. But I've met one person who was sort of against what I do. I've had overwhelming interest, if not support for hunting and shooting um, from uni students. Like, like they haven't had agricultural backgrounds as we talked about before. They haven't hunt, hunt, had hunting experience or anything, but, um, and it's like, I'm not that great looking. <laughs> so it's not just like girls being like, just wanting to latch on and, you know, fake interest to sort of like hit on me or anything. It's mainly guys. Like, <laughs> no, it's mainly girls, <laughs> but it's, it's not for that reason. Um, uh, a few guys have been like into it. Uh, my, one of my best mates who I've met at university is vegan. 
and he is pro hunting because of the conservation purposes and whatnot. Um, so when, when you guys talk about like you come across all these aunties and stuff, like I'm in the most progressive and like what people like would say is left wing place you can be in institution they can be in. And there's this overwhelming support of hunting and whatnot. But you're also um, in Queensland too. So it's not very a progressive, really a progressive state. If you're in university that, in Melbourne or that Adelaide is a good point. I, or Sydney, that, I could see it being a different. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, I would say the problems come from these institutions uh, like media. Yeah. And, and that's negative, and that's negative for views. That's negative to cause controversy because that's what gets them money and maybe some conspiracy angle behind that as well. Um, maybe. I don't... I'm, if I get... I will not commit suicide, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, maybe there's a conspiracy as to why they're all anti-hunting and stuff, but, like, it's for, it's for money. It's just media wants to stir up controversy, so they pull out these hit pieces against hunting and against shooting. Um, but like overall, actually, yeah, now I think about it, I've worked in tech areas before uh, and like half the guys have at least gone rabbit shooting. And this is like in a, in a Brisbane. That's great. Like high rise in a Brisbane. And they're like, oh, like, oh yeah, I used to go like rabbit shooting and stuff. And you're like, you're in a suit and you've gone <laughs> rabbit shooting. <laughs> like that doesn't add up. Um, so speaking yeah, of the I, controversy, I the is... speaking of What's the that? controversy side of things, though, yeah. I actually screenshotted something today to bring up in yeah. this in this podcast. Well, and... I, I would just say, like, I don't think, by and large, on an individual basis, there's a lot of hate for hunting, except for when the media stirs shit up. And that's where I'm going to with this screenshot that I've taken off Facebook this afternoon. You gonna send it to me? Lad Lad Bible. I I've just taken a screenshot. Um what it is yeah. is just just the headline. Wildlife trophy hunter killed in South Africa after being shot execution style. Lad Bible. The hunter became the hunted and it's the um you know how you can do the love hearts and the laughing reactions on the on the like posts on Facebook. It's just all laughing reactions yeah. and love hearts. Like that's a perfect example of hunters being demonized by social media and avenues like Lab Well, Bible. that's atrocious and morbid. And those people who yeah. But this is, you know, thousands of likes, love hearts and laughing reactions that quote-unquote trophy hunter has been killed you know it's it's a strange one that's for sure but that's atrocious um and that i think that comes down to like the um like detachment a lot of people have from the individual who did it and from like this like those specific words like trophy hunter um and stuff like i i can guarantee you if you know if it was just like yeah a man sort of got killed boar hunting or whatever um and it was like one of those like their friends or something they'll think it's atrocious yeah 
because uh yeah it's just the media very specific language to stir up shit that and that's atrocious that's a that's atrocious <laughs> disgusting so how would you change public views on hunting and hunters well i don't really have the money to change the public view but i just do what i can to present hunters and hunting positively I don't come across too many people who whose minds need to be changed, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, like like I said, one of my best mates is vegan and he's pro hunter. So I don't know what you're doing wrong to come across like all these negative people. Um. So yeah, I just do what I can to present hunting in a positive manner. Um. You no, know, I present myself well. Like I still dress like a bogan and stuff, but like <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying you have to wear you know, nice suits and have clean press shirts and all the time and whatnot. But like when you're, when you're talking about hunting, try and do it in a nice way. If you're with people who like aren't hunters and you want their minds to be changed, don't talk about how like you used your seven pig dogs to hold down a pig or you stabbed it multiple times. Yeah. No, no. A lot of pigs will be like, Oh, it only takes me one stab. Like, bro, listen, listen, we don't need to lay him out and compare. I don't give a shit. Okay. <laughs> I know it takes you multiple times. Okay. You know, it, um, it, I've been there. It, it um, happens. It, it takes multiple shots. Sometimes it takes multiple arrows. Sometimes um, don't tell them that part. Yeah. Uh, well, well, at least don't glorify it. You know, don't glorify the kill. Exactly. And that's probably uh, do, why. Do talk about the benefits as well. That's probably why I've ran into more hate than you because I post quote unquote trophy photos. Yeah. Grip and grins. You don't. So, and all of my profiles are are public. So, you know, me posting them up, you know, just takes one avenue to go down and start sharing it. And it, those trophy quote unquote trophy photos blow up, you know, and especially yeah, when it comes true. to, fun things like cats yeah um <laughs> they uh, they blow yeah, up yeah i don't i don't talk to people online though and i'm more talking about in person yeah i've stood in front of a classroom of uni students and talked about the benefits of hunting i, I used your photos and when i asked you for all the deer photos and stuff like yeah. i stood in front of a classroom of uni students um talking about deer in australia and ended it with um there, there was a picture of looking down a scope onto a deer which I'm pretty sure is yours as well. And I talked about the benefits of people shooting deer. Yeah. Um, and that was received positively. Yeah, look, so, in, in person... So I, I, have, I think people just don't like you. Yeah, uh, there's that too. I've always always been disliked because I speak my mind. Uh, <laughs> um, but in person, I haven't ran into it as much because, you know, it's easier to chat to someone civilly rather than being online and you know you can post whatever you want without that person being right in front of your face yeah yeah for sure and i mean like yeah someone will say anything they'll threaten you online they'll say they'll bash you online it's like in person like okay yeah i've i've seen it all i've been like it's like you can be angry at me or you can just talk exactly like 
Like, why do you really want to try and go after someone who, like, you call me a killer, but you want to attack me in person? Yeah. Like, that doesn't add up. Right? Let's just have a conversation. Uh-huh. So, and online, it's, it's yeah, online's not reality. Um, I'm, I'm mostly talking about, you know, in person, people you know. Yeah. Uh, that's the real conversation. And that's, they're the real, they're real people. And um, that's exactly, exactly what I was saying. Like, Online, it's a completely different reality. But I reckon if you went down to, you know, some of these more liberal cities in Australia, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and just went through, like, the main shopping centre and asked people's views on hunting, I reckon it would be, like, hunting feral animals for pest control and food. Yep, no worries. Quote-unquote trophy hunting for lions and elephants and all of that it would be a very strong no so going off of that i think i think you're right yeah what is hunting to you hunting to me depends on where we are um if i was in the u.s hunting to me would be about food it would be about um more tradition and and there is a conservation aspect of of that with the Robertson Pittsman Act and whatnot. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I was I was thinking about it lately, but but you know, here in Australia, hunting to me is a means of completing a task. And generally for Queensland, that's helping out a farmer. Um, in other areas, it's New South Wales is public land. It's helping out the environment. Also, farmers because they're hunting on farms there as well. But yeah, it's hunting to me is is a means to complete a task. Um, a very fun means. Yeah, but and it's it boils down to a means. That's a very different answer compared to what we've had in the past, and it's it's a great answer nonetheless. So. Correct. <laughs> so, social media, where can people find you? Well, first off, we have the Firearm Owners United social media, which we're trying to help out shooters and bike extension hunters. Um, got Eureka Tactical, which we haven't really talked about, um, which I think it's Eureka.Tactical. On, we're mostly on Instagram. I should find out what it is. No, it's just one word. <laughs> Eureka Tactical. Um, one word. We do, we are on Facebook as well, but mostly on Instagram. And my personal account is daniel.cool, K-U-H-L, zero one. Um, and on that, I really don't post hunting or anything. It's just like photos of animals that I find. Some rare and endangered animals, but uh, it's just like animals and my dog. Hey, most most hunters like animals, so it's 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 yeah. it's a good follow. Um, Eureka Tactical, great follow, great gear. Um, give us a quick, brief rundown on what type of gear you have. So it's mostly um, merchandise type stuff that presents a message. So your hunter gatherer shirt that you're wearing now, um, it's mostly sort of like shirts that have a, a message like hunting equals conservation um suppressors got those shirts and whatnot and i find them to be quite fun 
and good like conversation starters and whatnot. And they've just got a little bit of hunting gear as well, like night vision, um, some knives and um, a little bit of clothing, like hunting clothing and whatnot yeah. um, as well. Sleeping bags, some yeah. packs too. Um, yeah, a couple of sleeping bags, some some backpacks, uh, but that's that's sort of like a, a, a side thing. Um, I mostly focus on, because there's, there's two people who run Yuki Tactical, um, I'm more focused on trying to just spread the spread the hunting message with the shirts, and, and um, we bring in an that. article every month about why we hunt with different people. And mm. where can they find that article? But, so they'll be on our website, which is eurekatactical.com. Um, au. Oh, so no, this eurekatactical.com. Uh, I always think it's au, but it's just <laughs> .com. And um, yeah, we've got like a section there, which is just articles. And yeah, we we do once a month. We just contact three different people who go hunting, ask them about their story, and um, just publish that because we want, like, I I want to know everyone's story, like why they hunt exactly. And I find it fascinating because it's usually very different to me, and it's sometimes different to you, and everyone's just got like a different reason. And it's very similar yeah. reason why I've started this podcast. Um, <clears throat> you know, you and the other other owner of Eureka Tactical and Eureka Tactical itself have been great supporters in, in what I do. So one of the main reasons yeah. I've got you on here because, you know, you've been very, very supportive from day one, even before the first episode was out, you know. Um, we had lengthy discussions about what I should go into and how I should go about stuff and, you know, if I come up with a new idea or want to, work out how to ask something, you know, I always, always seem to go to you first because <laughs> you have a very different opinion majority of the time than, than yeah. I do. So. Well, I mean, like the community is just going to support each other, right? hundred percent. You know, like a rising tide lifts all the ships. Yeah. I think that's the expression. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's nice just to support everyone in this space. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely always support um, this podcast and I appreciate it, man. And all the supporters of this podcast as well. Awesome. Um, so if you want to get some sick merch, head over to ET and get yourself a hunter gatherer shirt. And I think there's what is there two two designs of the hunter gatherer shirt? Yes, two designs. Uh, one a guy shooting, um, and it's got like a he's got a dog with him as well, and a bow hunting one as well. Uh, there's another one that we want to come out with, but I'm just waiting on someone to to help me out with that because it's it's very difficult to do by myself. Yeah. Um. But those those are the two that we're doing now, and yeah, I, I like them. You have some I, some cool designs, and that's that's for sure. Um. There's the eat venison design too, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, deer eat venison. That's the one. I um, love. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's that def- was only going to be temporary. Uh, that was only going to be for a couple months this year. <laughs> but when when I got like the sample, I was like, "Oh, I like this!" I like, st- I, like st- this, I love it. I need to get a couple. Like I said to you before, I th- I think you need to do them ones in hoodies too. Um, but yeah, head over, get yourself some sick merch. Um, head over, follow Et um, Eureka Tactical. While you're at it, find Firearms Owners United and see the awesome work that Dan does behind the scenes and everybody else. 
it's a team effort, but you do some brilliant work too, man. Um, and give Dan a follow while you're at it. So thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for chatting. It's almost almost been two hours. Doesn't seem like that, but it it goes bloody fast. It does go fast, and it's good. Uh, it's. I was just thinking about today. Something you said. Um, it'd be good for people to know that Eureka Tactical is actually run by people who go hunting and go shooting. Yeah, and it's not just like a random company <laughs> that just popped up. Um, you see so, a few of them pop so, up on Instagram. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so I'm I'm, I'm very glad that we did this nah so am i man thank you very much for coming definitely anyway guys thank you for listening to another episode of the hunting connection podcast um head over to our instagram hunting connection podcast facebook hunting connection podcast twitter at hunting connect um if you've enjoyed the episode please share with your friends your family Share on social media, tag us in when you're listening, tag us in your hunting, fishing, outdoor adventure photos and videos so that way I can give them a share and see what you guys are up to. And it also helps helps my page grow and the podcast grow. Um, if you're not subscribed, give us a, a subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Um, give us a rate, you know, five star would be great. But um, if you've, you're not enjoying it, Give us a one star and tell me why so I can work on that. Um, I'd love to hear all your reviews, positive and negative. So, yeah, just all of that helps the podcast grow. And thank you all for listening. (laughs) 